Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms, and today also dads, around the world. Hi, everybody. We are moved in. We are in a new home, and it's so strange, and it's really wonderful, and we're going to talk about it. But I wanted to bring some experts on the show today uh, to thank them for <laughs> helping us through this crazy transition, but also because they have this wealth of knowledge um, that I think is really important for all of us uh, as mothers. We are so attached emotionally to our homes as mothers. There's something about when you bring home the baby that all of a sudden the place that you've been sleeping becomes a home. And it's a place where all the memories happen. And so it's hard to say goodbye to that home. It's a little intimidating to cross the threshold into a new home. And it's something that we all experience. So my guests today, guys, they're married. Sarah Reichling is an award-winning sales professional with 15 years of sales experience in a global Fortune 100 company where she was known for forging meaningful relationships with her customers by listening between the words to understand their needs and working tirelessly to meet them. And by the way, everybody working with her uh, with our home and also knowing her now for over a year anyway, um, it's totally true. Okay, so she caught the real estate bug after buying her first investment property in 2005. In 2008, she married Joe, and her passion for real estate grew into a career with her eventually joining Joe in what I personally will call the real estate powerhouse, Bryant Reichling Real Estate. Now, her husband, who sits beside her right now, <laughs> his first career was in the music industry. He was head of pop promotion for Arista Records in New York. So now he runs this amazing real estate company in L.A. I have so many personal questions to ask both of you about your lifestyle and how you stay healthy and how you raise your daughter. But first, I want to ask the house stuff. Okay. <laughs> Let's get the homework over with. Okay. Um, so, Sarah, I love your blog. It's Everyone check it out. It's called BeyondTheCribLA.com. And in it, you write about adding value to your home. I'd like to jump off with asking you, Sarah, okay, when you're making updates in the place that you live, where do you get the most bang for your buck? So I think that um, there's a couple of areas that I would recommend. Um, the first being the kitchen. So most women are um, the deciders when you're buying real estate. And I like that. Yeah, they, they ultimately are. And, um, you know, whether they're writing the check or not, they're the deciders. And the kitchen is the heart of the home. So most uh, moms and dads, too, who cook are really looking for a, a kitchen that they can um, spend some time in, cook in. And I think um, it's a really important aspect of a home. Is there anything you would add to that, Joe? If you weren't going to put the money in the kitchen, where should it go? Master bath, you master know, bath. master bath That's or kitchen. Second. And Sarah's absolutely correct when she says the woman is the decider in any <laughs> real estate transaction. Remember that, all you dads out there. So, Joe, when you're selling real estate and you are meeting potential clients, 
how are you able to sort of focus on the mother, like in a way that the dad doesn't feel left out, but, but where, cause I feel like you have some crazy, uh, we're going to get into it later, but I feel like you've probably done some crazy energy work or something because you're able to like <laughs> connect with people in a way that I feel like there's probably little tricks you have for the, the woman in the relationship feeling heard. So, you know, you're right, Ellie. You're super intuitive. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> um, well done. Um, first of all, I want to just sidetrack for a second and say we're so honored to be your first yes. um, guest here in the new studio, <laughs> which is fabulous. I wish I could paint a picture for you, for everybody you out guys, there. You guys, it is a hot box. Um, <laughs> I literally have blankets on the walls. I'm trying to tamper down the echo. And it's about a thousand degrees and we might all three pass out in the next 20 minutes. No, it's great. We're really, really honored to it's be It's my here. version of a sweat lodge. Well, yeah, certainly we're going to... Uh, it gets intimate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so hot. I'm glad I wore my deodorant today. I'm glad I'm six months pregnant. <laughs> well, we're going to go to some some very deep places. So it's, uh, it's nice we're in the metaphorical sweat lodge. So to answer your question, you know, it is important for a woman to feel heard, understood, listen to during the home shopping process. And, you know, one of the ways, and the reason I said you're intuitive is because it's something I've always done. And I don't know if I've said, I don't know if I've ever said it out loud until now is when someone's buying a house or selling a house, there's a contract, of course, and both the, um, you know, whoever owns the house goes on that contract. So both the woman, you know, if they're a heterosexual married couple, the woman and the man go on the go on the contract. And I, from very early on, always made it a habit mm -hmm. to put the woman's name first. And oh, see, I, guys, <laughs> I'm so good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> and I've actually heard more than once from, uh, you know, the mom or the, or the woman that they really noticed that and appreciated it. And I think it's an important, it sets the tone and quite frankly, puts the man in his right place from the very beginning. Love it. Oh, my God. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> I think I did that with your contract. Oh, I'm pretty I'm sure, sure. You did. Yeah, I was like Ellie and then Adam. Yeah, Sarah was our number one. Uh, and I, it was so funny. Cause so full disclosure, Sarah and I met in a parent and me group mm -hmm. for uh, a Montessori school. So moms out there that are like complaining about having to go drag their kids to these parent and me groups to jump through these hoops so that you can get into preschool, just know you might make a really good friend. And so when Sarah, I was saying that maybe we were looking because as everyone remembers, Adam and I were sharing a tiny closet and it was just like, <laughs> we, we got to that point and we've been in our home for nine years. And I knew that Sarah was in real estate, but I hadn't asked her yet uh, for help, um, because as everyone who listens to the show knows, I have trouble asking for help. And also, I didn't want to mess with our friendship. Mm -hmm. And Sarah was really delicate in saying like, hey, you know, just let me know. Like, I'm up for it. I'm not, you know, like, whatever. I'm totally cool. I'm here if you need me. Yeah. And uh, do you remember my disclaimer when we stepped outside my home? Yes, I think you said, um, just know that I'm a really crazy and just be prepared for that. And I was like, okay, I will. <laughs> I was like, 
this stuff brings out the worst in me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I said, I don't think I even use the word crazy. You're being kind. I was like, I am crazy. Um, well, it, it, it can be tricky working with people that you're friends with. Um, and it's not it's not for everybody. A lot of people don't want to work with people that they're friends with intentionally. So I think I gave you the out at one point. I said, listen, if you, you know, if you guys don't feel comfortable working with me, I can refer you to somebody great. And, you know, and that's, yeah, that was that's at the, the very beginning. It. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, look, if you're signing up for my crazy, then I'm all in. And it's been amazing for us and a total pain in the ass for you. Not at <laughs> we'll all. Not that. at all. So you also write in your blog about maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that okay. and stress the importance of it because a lot of mothers, including myself, we have a hard time uh, with personal maintenance, which we'll get into. But also I was so oblivious to the amount of work that homeownership entails if you do it properly. But I focused on the fun stuff. Like I renovated the kitchen and we repainted the Ikea cabinets and like put new hardware on and like did the cool open shelves. And it's going to be helpful with selling our home. Fingers crossed. No pressure, Sarah. (laughs) Because we're still selling our home, everyone. Um, We haven't put it on the market yet. But it's... That stuff is fun. I want to talk to you about like water damage, et cetera. Because when we were looking at other homes with you, suddenly all this stuff comes up. Yeah. We call that deferred maintenance. And, um, you know, one of the best things you can do as a homeowner is just maintain your house. Because when you go to sell it, someone, whoever buys the house is going to bring a team of inspectors in and look for every single flaw. And then you'll end up paying those people um, you know, back to fix the flaws or you'll give them a credit so they can fix them. So, you know, I think what you did with your house is amazing. The kitchen, you know, all the renovations you guys did were mm-hmm. timeless and beautiful and spot on. And and those are great. Um, you know, those, those will c- um, come back to you in dividends when mm-hmm. you sell your house. But, you know, maintenance of a house uh, in terms of making sure no water is getting into the crawl space, right? Making sure your foundation is solid. And you know, here in California, ideally, it's braced for earthquakes, right? Um, bolted to the to the earth in some way that protects your investment. Things like HVAC, you know, that's your heating and air conditioning systems, being able to just change the filters every six months, um, get it, get a, a contractor in to look at it every year or two, just to maintain it so that it doesn't, you know, things will last much longer, you'll have a lot less problems if you do ongoing Maintenance, And I'm so glad last year we invested in a new roof at our home. And I'm so glad we did because (laughs) it was like Noah's Ark out here for the past six months. Yes. So every time that we did invest in the home in these unsexy ways, it has paid off. And now it'll be a matter of me focusing on that with our new place, even though I just want to, you know, buy some furniture. Yeah. Of course, and you want to do both, right? But you also, when you're when you're house shopping, when you're looking at a house, you have to look at the totality of it. You know, not only the renovations you want to do, but the systems. And the systems are many: roof, heating and air conditioning, foundation. You know, there's lots of things that keep the house um, going, and that you need to pay attention to as well. So you need to factor that into your budget when you're looking, because it does cost money to maintain a house. There are 
um, sometimes surprise big costs that can go into, you know, maintaining a house. Most of the houses in our area are 70 to 100 years old. So, you know, houses need stuff once in a while. Joe, when a mom is ready to sell or buy, what should we be looking for in a real estate agent? How do we know that there's a love connection? I think of it as like dating or central casting. Mm. You know, a great recommendations or great recommendations for all these types of service providers always come from friends, right? If you have a friend that you trust and they've had a good experience with somebody and they're willing to tell you the good and the bad about the person, that for me personally would go the farthest. Then there's like, you know, everything is online now, reviews, good and bad. So, you know, look at somebody's online reviews. As real estate agents, it's inevitable we're going to get reviewed, whether it's Yelp or Zillow. You know, we have lots of reviews and ask for testimonials. Um, And then know yourself really well. Some people have an incredible picker, right? Some people pick great mates. Some people pick great investments, Other people pick great business partners. And essentially, you're going into business with your real estate agent. If your picker's good, trust it. If it's not, ask for help. I'd also like to just say that I think for for women, and if you're going to be active in the the looking process, that it's important for you to have a comfort level with your agent because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them potentially – looking at homes, lots of times on the phone. They're going to see all your crazy. They're going to see all. Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, you have to be comfortable and feel like you can be totally honest with that person. It's the biggest investment that you'll make. And you need to know that they have your back and that you can go to them with any concern and not feel awkward or weird or, you know, belittled in any way. How do you two personally deal with the level of involvement required from clients 24 hours a day? That's a really good question because as as Joe and I will say, you know, real estate is, it's a lifestyle. You know, choosing to sell real estate, the both of us choosing that is more than a career. It is a lifestyle. We're, we're essentially on call. We work, you know, 50 weekends out of the year probably. Um, and uh, you know, it's not for everybody. So the way that we've managed to cope is that, you know, I'm essentially primary parent, right? So I do a significant amount of business, but I'm the primary parent and I work less than Joe. And so Joe, you know, is is working more hours, has more clients at one time. I intentionally cap my number of clients so that I can be both, you know, a good enough mother and and a good real estate agent and um, so, you know, that's how we manage it. But it's just not taking on too much for me. Um, you know, two to three clients at a time is really my bandwidth. And that's where I stay. How do you handle even just a text message from me? You know, it's let's say it's seven o'clock at night or something like that. How do you not let that sort of invade your personal space? Well, there's certain times of day that I just don't you know, I turn it off. So in the morning, for example, when I'm getting Ellery ready for school or when we're getting ready to get out the door, I don't, I generally don't answer texts or emails before 9 a.m. And then, um, 
you know, typically we both turn our phones off around 8 p.m. Ideally, 8 or 9 p.m. We're not we're not responding to messages. But there's times of day like dinner time where I just don't I don't look at my phone for an hour or two hours at a time because there's no there's nothing that's that big of an emergency. You know, it's it can wait an hour is the way that I look at it. I think that's so helpful because as parents in 2017, it's something that most of us are coming up against, sort of this invasion of the home by everyone else, like even by friends or relatives, like everyone thinks that they have access to you instantly and it can totally sidetrack your focus or your attention on your child. Sarah, you often post your date night pictures. Yes. Okay, there was one recently of the two of you in Joe's car, and it reminded me so much of like a John Hamm like luxury car commercial. And by the way, <laughs> side note, I did see in a real estate blog a rumor that you all recently sold a home to John Hamm. Now, I don't want any yeses or nos. Privacy is very important to you all. I'm not even looking at them while I say this. <laughs> It's very important to them, and spreading rumors is very important to me. So I'm just going to say I saw it on a blog. I do want to ask about your date nights because there's an Atomic Moms listener, Terry Lynn. Hey, uh, everyone, quest to follow her at TL, and then it's F-U-T-C-H-E-R. She asked on Instagram, how do you make time for each other after having kids? How did you make time for each other after little Ellery, my second daughter? Well, yeah, it's... I mean, it's hard. You know, we don't we don't have any family in L.A. So we were uh, from the beginning. I was in denial about having and needing child care um, because I thought I would be staying home with her and everything would be, you know, total bliss. And that didn't that wasn't the case. So we ended up hiring a nanny uh, when Elle was about three weeks old. And we had her for a couple of years, and now we have, like, a part-time mother's helper. And wait, I want to pause for one second. Yes. You you had planned on staying home, and then you didn't. And right. was that financial <clears throat> reason or because it wasn't the right choice for you personally? Um, it was because it wasn't the right choice for me. I, I had all these uh, ideas about what it would be like to be a stay-at-home mom because we tried for so long to have a child. And I had idealized it in my head, I think, about what what that would be like. And so I left this very busy career in sales that I'd had. I didn't work while I was pregnant. And then the baby came and then I was, you know, thrust into postpartum depression and all sorts of anxiety. And I realized like, oh, this is this is not what I want to do. So at about, I think when I was about six months, um, I went back to work, kind of eased my toe into it and then probably full time when, when she was about a year. And that was the right fit for me. I'm a worker. I wish I was a stay-at-home mom. I wish that that is something that I enjoyed. I just, it just wasn't me. So when did the dates come back? I think we started going away. I mean, once we had ultimate trust in our nanny and she was like a family member, you know, after a certain amount of time, we started sneaking off to like Laguna Beach here and there. We had a hotel that we like to go down to and we would, you know, run away for a night or two nights and, uh, you know, probably when Elle was like nine months old. Maybe she got a little more sturdy. She was small. So we we waited a bit. And um and now, you know, we just schedule it. I just put it in the in the calendar. You know, we have this helper in the afternoons. Every other week or so I'll just say, Can you stay late? And and we schedule it and we make it a priority. So I'll look uh Sarah mentioned our calendar, <clears throat> which is so 
you know, kind of integral to our life um, because our work stuff goes in there and our personal stuff. And I admittedly am not, um, I'm very task driven and focused on the work. I mean, that's just how I'm built. So to Sarah's credit, she has taken it upon herself to be the planner for our personal time. And I need it and I rely on it. I resent the hell out of it sometimes. <laughs> I look All at that time. calendar once in a while and I will be shocked. I'll see, you know, SRJR because we put our initials oh. date and it'll be like on a Saturday afternoon. And I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> Who did you clear that with? Because you want to be working because, or that's yeah. your initial yeah, impulse. Because, yeah, because I want to be working or I wasn't planning for it, you know, and then I give into <laughs> it. And um, it's great. The picture you mentioned, we were on our way to a fundraiser for a school and we both were dressed up and we were driving. It was, and the, it's such a cute picture. I got oh, my God. It. And the sun was setting and we're coming down uh, Live Oak in the Oaks where we live. And, um, you know, the Griffith Observatories in the uh, distance and the light is perfect. And I don't know if you saw the picture I took of Sarah at the same time, but she looked incredible. And it was just a reminder of, wow, I'm married to a woman. And like Sarah says, the only thing that separates us from friends and business partners is one thing. And you can use your imagination what that would be. (laughs) And she's right. Like, I, you know, we need to focus on, um, I need to um, uh, romance her, um, look at her as a you know, a man looking at a woman and um, she deserves that. And look, most of the time she looks so beautiful to me. It's really important for me most, most of the time, of the time. <laughs> I focus, to be honest. I focus on the, uh, <laughs> on the, the not beautiful time. You just gave us the most beautiful monologue and as two women, when you just said most of the time, you just lost it. I'm a, I'm a, work, honest, I'm a work in, in progress. I understand that I will often say things that don't. It was great. That, yeah, that, was that, that, no, that, that Sarah's not, not, not into. No, I admit it. But no, it's, it, I, I think, look, what's most important is that when I'm feeling amorous towards Sarah and I think she looks exceptionally good, I look at her and I tell her, honey, you are beautiful. You look so f***ing hot right now. And I love you so much. And those moments make up for all the other time yeah. that I'm focused on answering emails and texts from clients like you, Ellie. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't worry. I wasn't texting your husband. <laughs> so essentially, I have to put things in the calendar on the DL and surprise him, basically. Uh-huh. And then I'll be like, hey, did you see we have a date tomorrow? And he's usually like, what? Where are we going? And so I just I just sneak things in and, and make it happen. So you guys are also one and done in the kid department. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, after we've had our first child, we stay in this sort of anxious limbo of will we, won't we for years. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, in our move, I pulled out everything from under the house and I had saved all these bottles and all this stuff from Sabrina. Mm. And then I'm like, wow, she's going to be four almost when this baby comes, and I'm going to throw all this a lot. A lot of this stuff has turned really yellow and gross. Right. You need new. So can you speak a little bit as to how you arrived at that decision or made peace with that decision? If there needed to be peace made. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I So 
After Ellery was born, I think it was four months to the day after she was born, Joe was in the clinic getting a vasectomy. Sorry, that, I hope it's okay to share that. But I remember they were putting him under and they asked how old our daughter was. And we said four months and they sort of stopped. <laughs> and they were like, they looked at each other and they were like, are you sure you want to, are you sure you want this? And we were like, yes, yes. So we had decided, um, you know, the, the early infant period was not uh, blissful for us. We were really um, knocked off balance uh, in the infancy. I think we both underestimated, you know, having a, a baby and what that would mean for us. And I had postpartum depression and anxiety. It was just, it was no picnic for our family. And I don't, this is for another episode and another time and probably not when I'm on uh Moderated bed rest, <laughs> modified. I keep calling it moderated because I'm moderating it. <laughs> I'm doing a terrible job of that, everyone. Um, but uh, I do want to also just say that, you know, motherhood is never a walk in the park. And we are surprised to find sometimes that uh, the most beautiful women in our lives have overcome really incredible challenges and loss. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that that when we say postpartum or whatever, that it's not just purely hormones, that yeah. sometimes, like, no matter what we're going through, that there is also, like, past history. And, and I just think it's important to, like, like, we have no idea. Like, I... We have no idea when we meet a mom, like what she's been through in order to be able to have the experience she's having in the moment. Right. So, <clears throat> vasectomy. So, so, back to the snip. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we had just decided that, um, you know, and this is also for another podcast, but we had had a very late loss prior to Ellery. And I think I was still processing that. And, um, you know, it just... It, I think, I don't know how we decided. Do you remember when we decided? Um, you know, I think it goes back to really knowing ourselves well. First of all, um, okay. I'm older. Sarah's not old. I'm older. Ellery was 47, I think, when, or <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Ellery, I was 47 when She's an old Ellery soul. was born. I was 46 I was when Ellery was born. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of being, I don't know, you think about 50 and having an infant did not appeal. Secondly, when we had the thought of having a vasectomy, all of my friends and the doctor himself said, please wait. You don't know how you're going to feel a year or two from now. And you should wait because you may change your mind. And my answer was always, that's why I'm doing it. I'm afraid I'll change my mind. And I know for myself and for my family and for Sarah, what we're capable of, our capacity as human beings and parents would be so much more amplified with one child rather than two or three. And um, we also felt super lucky to have Ellery. And honestly, Ellie, like I've never given a shit what other people think. So all of that pressure, Sarah and I don't subscribe to. My friends think I should be driving a much fancier car, for example, and I don't care. Like, we live our lives the way we want to live because we know who we are, and I'm comfortable in those decisions, and it really wasn't that hard. You occasionally, Sarah, will get 
The yeah, longing I, of, I want Ellery to have a sibling. She's so good with kids. I do. Kids. She's very social. She loves babies and just being around people. And I think she would do so well in a big family. But unfortunately, she wasn't born into one. So a year ago or so, I went to Joe. I was definitely having the pangs of like, I kind of feel like we could do this again. Like, I feel like we, you know, this could happen for us. And I went to him, I said, I'm, I'm sort of 50-50. Where are you at? And he said he was 2%. So that sort of closed the door on that conversation. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm cool. I'm cool with it. I think for us, it does take a Herculean effort to get pregnant and, um, or it would at this point after the snip snip. And, um, you know, I, we're really happy with Ellery and our, and our little family. And we're happy that we're in our house and we don't have to move because we fit into our house really nicely. And as crazy as that seems, um, it definitely was kind of a factor for us. Um, house is always a factor in our lives. <laughs> right. Exactly. Houses play a big role, but we love where we live and, and it's a great size for our little family. Joe, I want to get round back to the maintenance question, mm-hmm. but I want to ask about personal maintenance. I would like to ask you about your anti-aging techniques, <laughs> but but I think there's a more important question that my husband, Adam, left for you before he went to work this morning. Because you're a little older than him and he already feels like his body is breaking down, I would say it's because uh, he, he pushes himself super hard and doesn't listen to his body until he's like almost crippled. Anyway, <clears throat> that was like such a wife footnote. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Uh, anyway, how do you stay so energized as a father and as a businessman with so many plates in the air? So I truly believe that the idea of chasing a balanced life is a canard. It's not happening in our you know, modern day lifestyle. Everyone's searching balance. And I've just accepted that, like Sarah says, we sell real estate. I am available, you know, um, I would say 17 hours a day to our clients. I work seven days a week. Um, Rarely does an email go answered um, without, you know, with, you know, in more than 24 hour period when we're hearing from a client. So um, what do I need personally? I know myself really well. Exercise is a lifesaver for me. If I don't exercise, and when I say exercise, I mean move my body where I am sweating and I am getting a really good workout, not a walk around the block, but something that's cathartic that will, I'm super physical. And I think men in particular in this society, especially in a sales job, walk around um, suppressing a lot of our emotion and natural aggression. And Exercise for me is that cathartic experience that allows me to express it. Without it, I become an animal, (laughs) really. And I wish Adam were here right now because he would totally agree. That's why I think you guys get along so well. He would probably want to know, like, what do you do when your body starts feeling like it's breaking down, though? Yeah, I mean, look, you again, you got to know your body really well. And... um, You know, I would say that, you know, within the confines of, you know, your physical ability, you have to push yourself. I happen not to mind being in working out while I'm in pain. It's just a threshold I have that I'm okay with. 
and I don't have excuses. If something hurts, I don't stop working out. And I've been really lucky that I've been able to kind of work through a lot of, you know, injuries and aches and pains because the result is more important than feeling good in the moment for mm-hmm. me. So he'll push through too, but then he ends up like limping. Right. I, I, I want to jump in here yeah. and just say that, that <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joe does. He he will run up a mountain, mm-hmm. and, you know, and for an hour. I mean, that's he he's that way. But he also is very big on stretching. So he, you know, I used to drag him to yoga retreats and sweat lodges and things like that when we were dating. And he knows how to, um, you know, work on areas of his body that are that are painting him. And he's always stretching before and after, much to my chagrin. Sometimes we'll go to the gym and he's just like endlessly stretching. And I'm like, let's go, let's go. And he's, you know, he's taking 45 minutes to to stretch out so after workout. So you're also really taking care of your body at the same yeah, time. And like yeah, and la- like last night, I had a hard workout yesterday. Last night at 9 o'clock, I jumped in a bath because I know hot baths for me um, will work wonders, you know. So I'll take the 10 minutes to jump in a hot bath and just relax, and I wake up feeling much better. We also, I think recovery is important at this, at this age because we're a little older than you guys. So, um, you know, we sleep. We sleep 9 to 10 hours a night or eight to eight to nine hours a night, I would say on the regular. And I think that's another way to maintain, you know, health and, and vibrancy. Speaking of vibrancy, I didn't expect in moving for this feeling of impermanence to come up Mm -hmm. so strongly. Mm -hmm. I've been sort of in this high-grade anxiety where I'm not really feeling anything. And then this morning, Sabrina brought a ladybug into the house. And I was looking for some cheesecloth so I could put it over a bowl so that the ladybug could breathe at least. (laughs) And then Sabrina accidentally dropped it (laughs) down the the house grate Mm. in the pantry. Nice. And it (laughs) really upset me. And I had to go take a moment. And it was so funny because I was like, uh, it was so sad to me that this ladybug ended up in the house grate and like wasn't going to make it. And then it was like the ladybug is going to die. And then it was like, I'm going to die. And I'm the ladybug in the grate. (laughs) And it was all that sounds hormonal to me. (laughs) So hormonal. But it was also this idea that everything changes constantly and there's something about a move that really makes you have to face that everything's changing and time goes on and we're all getting older so uh i'm hiring you both as my therapist right now what do you say to clients that have a hard time with impermanence well i think as it relates to moving you know uh and i and i Instagram something about this last week and got a big um, response from it. But it was, um, you know, the idea of moving is you have to go through literally all of your stuff, right? You you pull out every item that you've stuffed away in however long you've been living at that house. And you have to look at it, reflect on it, see if it still, um, you know, reflects part of you or if you've let that go and moved on. And then you physically have to let it go sometimes or emotionally or psychologically let it go. And I think, you know, that's really hard for some people, especially people that are very sentimental or, um, you know, that maybe aren't in a place in their life where they're happy with. And they're, you know, people have to move for all different kinds of reasons. 
lots of times it's not happy reasons. And so you're looking through memories and happier times or or rough times that you've endured while you lived at the house. And I think it brings up all of that grief or all of the joy and then that unknown, you know, moving into your next house, not quite knowing where things are, not quite knowing what memories you're going to make there and if it's going to be a good house or a not great house or, you know, where where all of your stuff is going to live. I think it's just brings up that feeling of like, you know, impermanence. And even I know for you, if I can share like you're sort of sad leaving your last house because of all the beautiful times that you guys had there. And, you know, and it's it's not as hard for Adam. I don't think he's he's looks at it through more of a colder investment type lens <laughs> <laughs> from what I can gather. But um <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's hard. And you realize like, okay, now there's going to be a new family living in that house. And all of our memories are like, you know, in the past. And what if nobody ever knows, you know, all the great things that we did in that house? And Oh, God, now you're upsetting me. Because mm-hmm. that's the truth. No one will ever know. It's like these private histories and these public walls. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. But you know, right? And well, and have... I'll probably leave a scrapbook for the next donors. Can you imagine how funny would that be? <laughs> They'd be like, uh, thanks, but no you thanks. Need some hieroglyphics in the uh, crawl spaces. No, but I, well, that's a good idea. Uh, I do wish that people would pass on photos of how the houses changed. And then the funny thing is, though, you end up, if you look online and you find the old MLS stuff from 15 years ago, mm-hmm. You see changes that were made and you're like, oh, my God, I'm I'm like going back and like remaking that same change. Like there was yeah. a window there that yeah. I want to put in there, which is also funny, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Joe, is there anything you would add to that about impermanence and how we can sort of accept where we are right now? Well, I, you know, like most things in life and, and more than most things in life, moving is um you know, it's a chance to grow emotionally and spiritually. And and I have a really hard time with moving also. So I can relate to that. Um, I go through even, you know, moving into our last house in 2012 was a joyous occasion, yet it was really, really hard um, to do emotionally. And Sarah and I cried a couple nights, you know, for no real apparent reason, but just because you feel raw. And I can only equate it that when all the totality of your life can be packed in a moving truck, that will bring home the impermanence of what your stuff is, you know, what your life is, is, it is, you know, it just feels bigger and um, broader when you're in a home, when it's packed in the, you know, six walls of a moving truck, it feels, you feel diminished in some way, you know, and, and that's when you have to say, you know, I am not my home. I am not my belongings. I am not anything outside. It's what I carry inside me. And how strong is that core? How strong is that center? And you get to examine that upon a move. And it's a really beautiful, scary, crazy time. And by the way, to work with people that are going through that over and over again is a beautiful, crazy, scary business to be in. Wow. (laughs) Okay, both of you, get back to work. Thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. Okay, everybody, check out Sarah's Instagram account, beyond.the.crib. 
and her blog, beyondthecribla.com. You can also check out their website, bryantreikling.com. Please subscribe on iTunes and write a review. It helps us with our rankings, which helps new moms find us. Uh, reach out to us on Instagram at Atomic Moms and our Facebook page at Atomic Moms and sure, Twitter, why not? Our show notes will be at AtomicMoms.com. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Thank you.